Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our minds. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner, and I'm also the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. (laughs) As I said that, I made a point to look at my co-host, Ted, because that's like his favorite part of this show. Man, you looked at me like you was going to talk about another book. <laughs> the same type. Like right. he, he was totally surprised that I was talking about the discipline of now. That's right. That's right. All right. So joining me, joining me as always is Ted Fells. He's the super CEO. He's the business strategist extraordinaire and all around good guy. Greetings all. Okay. Also joining us is Britton Smith. He's the Renaissance man. He's our political pundit. <laughs> He's the man who refuses to be pigeonholed. Pigeonholed, that's right. Refuses. That's right. Britton, this is where you chime in. Right. Yeah, I know <laughs> you're, you're new you, to... You're, you're supposed to... No, man. Y'all, y'all give me that. I, I bring you five of the best guests that I could scour the land and find... And you give me the, uh, yeah, Britain. Yeah, yeah, Britain. I mean, oh, man, my friends don't love me. Oh, man. It's all love. It's all love in 30 minutes out, Britain. You ever notice sometimes we, we we take it to Britain and there's like a delay? All right. <laughs> right. That's when you put that ham sandwich down. Put that sandwich down first. Well, as you can see, this is not your everyday podcast. Hopefully, you will still follow us on Facebook. You'll follow us on Instagram. You'll follow us on YouTube. Uh, You can even go to iTunes. All you have to do is type in the 30-minute hour into the search bar, and there you will find us. That's right. Well, I tell you, Ted, it's uh, really been an interesting news cycle this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I was really saddened to hear about the passing of NBA basketball legend Kobe Bryant. Mm. And I was totally shocked. And like yeah. I, I I was looking I was on Facebook and I saw it came up on my stream and I, the first my first thought was this is a hoax. Right. And this can't, this is impossible. Yeah. But then it it was everywhere. And it's, it's one of those mo- we talked about this. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you remember where you were when you heard the news. Right. You know, it's just like almost like when Lynn Bias passed away. You, you remember where you were. So, you know, and it's been interesting listening to all of the tributes and mm-hmm. all of the stories that are now coming out about people that had uh, an interaction with yeah. Kobe. And so I, I wanted us to, to start this first part of the podcast kind of talking about, you know, the a memorable Kobe Bryant moment. Because I know that that's on the mind of a lot of our listeners and our viewers who are still kind of processing this thing. And, and so for me, I'll start. For me, it was when he scored 81 points <laughs> wow. against the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. And, and so, Ted, I, I was thinking about this thing, right? <laughs> so imagine if you go to your rec league right, right, right. in your neighborhood yeah. and like against 50 and older people. Right, right. And, and you're running. If you score 81 points against them. That would be impressive. Right. 
You'd be the man. But imagine doing that against world-class competition. Man, let me tell you, it would be impressive if you scored 81 points and you were the only person on the court. (laughs) (laughs) 81 points, man. That's a lot of shooting, a lot of If you're just out there by yourself. That's right. Right. That's right. Right. But but it's just a testament to his skill and his drive and his determination. And you got to figure, like, that was their main objective going into the game to stop him. (laughs) They, they missed that whole Yeah, pray it didn't like, work. It didn't, it work, didn't work out. Like, what? Now, who are you? You know how, like, you're the person that was checking him. Right. I'm sure a couple people had uh-huh. the opportunity to check him. But, it, but you're like, man, he put up 81 on you, man. Like, how do you even live with that? Like, somebody put 81 points up on you. It's like, they'll be like, well, well Ted, 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 you know that's, that was primarily guarding him was uh, Jalen Rose. Mm. And, um, <laughs> was guarding him? Was, was it guarding him? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is they have a commercial, and of course, uh, Kobe plays you know plays on that fact a lot. Uh, as Jalen Rose walks into a restaurant and sees him, and he's like, "Oh man, how you doing? All right," and he doesn't want to bring it up. And then the waiter asks Kobe, he says, "With your martini, how many olives would you like?" And Kobe looks at Jalen Rose and goes, "81." <laughs> <laughs> But, I, but I'm sure his teammates are like, yeah, Jay, nice job. You held him to 81 points. Right, right, yeah, right. Good defense. Right. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So what about you? What, do you have a Kobe moment? Oh, man. It was just so, so many, man. Just watching him in those championship series. I mean, it's just like you just knew he was going to make a play. It was just it was just so many of them, man. I mean, just, you know, any big shot. You know, right. Kobe. You know, did not hesitate to take to take the shot or the. Oh man, just some of the. You know, just a lot of the plays, defense. I mean, he just was just just such a amazing competitor. Mm. You know, like just to try to pick any one game would just be difficult to to do. I mean, you go what what was the great games he had with the Afro? The ones when he didn't have the Afro. <laughs> I mean, it's like you could just go number home. eight or number twenty four. Right. Which, which one? Which one? Yeah. Man? I mean, just. Some of these players out here, man, and just you know, they're legendary. Yes. I mean, Kobe is just, you know, is just one of them. And it was just interesting in the last show that we had, you made reference to, to Kobe Bryant, right? Right, right. Yeah, we were. It's interesting. We were talking about how they were interviewing him, and the the interviewers were saying that you know, hey, you you've been in this competition with Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan had six championships and. You finished with five. Mm. Do you regret that? And he was like, no, mm. because I know I did everything that was humanly possible to get the sixth ring. So, yeah. so I can retire in peace. Yeah. But, but that's – so and I try to carry that mindset with things I do. Mm. At the end of the day, you know, I have this presentation. I have this speech I'm doing. If I know that I did everything possible to prepare, I can live with whatever happens. Oh, yeah. You know, but so that's that's that inspired me, and yes, we did. We brought that up during the last show, and it's just ironic that we would get that news. The other thing that was just ironic was just LeBron just surpassing him, right? You know, I guess in the you know the, the you know the most points of all time, right? And then Kobe basically, you know, tweeting, you know, like. Congrats to LeBron and just saying, you know, basically, you know, keep moving the game forward. That's like passing the baton. The passing the baton. Then the next day this happens. And here's the thing. So LeBron got the scoring record in Kobe's hometown of Philadelphia. Mm. Wow. 
Yeah, interesting stuff. So, so Britton, what was your memorable moment about Kobe Bryant? Um, we, I know, you know, of course, we'd always talk about all the things he did on the court and, you know, all the accolades. But I think bigger than that is Kobe's presence even after basketball. Mm. Um, you know, his speech at the Grammys was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, Kobe, Kobe would finish uh, his NBA career and, and go win a Grammy. Mm. Um, <laughs> right. and, and it's just, it's in that commitment to excellence because um, he talks about his will to win and his will to be the best. And he had so many things planned. You know, he wanted to write some more books. Mm. Um, he even had some radio ideas planned, some podcast ideas planned, uh, so many other ventures. He was coaching. Um, and he talked about how he had stopped watching basketball, uh, but his daughter, Gianna, who uh, was was uh, tragically lost in that helicopter accident as well, she would watch the game and want to analyze the game. Mm. So it made him go back into watching it with her, uh, talking the game of basketball with her, um, which spawned into something that I, I used to like, uh, Kobe Detail which is where he would analyze and basically break down different basketball moments. So as a person who was very influential in my, my sport-watching era, like as I remember from, you know, growing up being a fan to his retirement, watching the maturation of, of Kobe Bryant and then watching him carry that same commitment and will to win post-basketball, um, I think is the most meaningful thing that I could take away from Kobe Bryant's legacy. Yeah, very well said. It's like he it's like he had this understanding from his basketball experience of what it takes to be great. Yeah. And, and he applied that to other areas of his life to his, his next pursuits. And that's the shame of this whole thing. You know, what would he have accomplished? Wow. You know, with, with more right. time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, Jason, you know, I, I'm a diehard Bulls fan and Jay Williams who played for the Bulls at the time tells the story about uh, the night the Lakers were about to play the Bulls yeah. and he goes to the gym to shoot around <laughs> and Kobe's in there working on game time moves like full game speed, right. working up a full sweat <laughs> and you know Jay Williams is like oh okay you're supposed to do like a light walkthrough you know but okay <laughs> and then he goes Jay Williams does his pregame routine and when Jay Williams finishes Kobe is still out there sweating, working hard, doing the same thing. So Jason Williams is thinking, all right, well, you know, he'll be pretty much gassed out by the game time. <laughs> Kobe then drops like 36 on all of my bulls that night. And then he sees him out later and says, like, why why, why were you going so hard in, like, warm-up, pregame, shoot-arounds and everything? He said, I wanted you to see that you weren't going to outwork me. Mm-hmm. So no matter when you left, I was still going to be there. And, you know, it, it's that, that will and that commitment to force others to be great, mm. you know, that, that, that game of chicken. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it, he'll definitely be missed. Absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely, it was a, clearly a tragedy. And, and I want to say, too, that, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with all the victims yeah. that were involved. It's not just Kobe Bryant. I mean, there were other lives that were changed forever as a result of, you know, the what, nine people total? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, our thoughts and prayers are with all of the victims that were involved. I mean, even his daughter was involved. 
it was on the helicopter. And then two teammates, right? Think, and some parents, and and this, and just think about the the impact, you know, because we're thinking about you know Kobe's wife and the you know the remaining children, right? But there were situations like that for everyone that was on that exactly on that plane as as well. So it's just I don't know. It was just one of those things. Yesterday I was just like I don't know. It just drained me. Yeah. You know, like I just felt like I needed a nap. Yeah. I know me. Take a nap, but it was like a longer nap. Pretty longer like, nap, yeah. yeah. You, know, you just woke up and it was like, man, was this, was this a, you know, was this did this really happen? And you look on television, it was like, okay, yeah, this really did, yeah, did happen. So I know we we joke around a lot, but this is, you know, it's really a, you know, a somber time. It's just been just a, a weird twenty four hours. Even today, everybody just kind of, yeah, has been impacted by it. So again, prayers with uh, with the families. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then shifting gears a little bit before we get to the next piece. So you're going to be interviewed, I see. You're yeah. going to be on a podcast. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, I'm going to be on the Kimberly uh, McLemore's podcast this this Thursday. Uh-huh. It's interesting how I get on a podcast and I, you know, hang around with you. Oh. And, uh, this is a podcast. I think that you've, you know, you've been on a couple times. And so, you know, I, you know, I kind of, you know, I guess I, you know, said something before saying, well, you know, I, why don't I get invited to podcasts? And before you know it, I was, I'm, I'm going to be a guest. So I'm really excited about being on a, on a podcast. So. Yeah. I recall when we had her on our podcast, I think you said it to her like 12 times. At, <laughs> at, at least, at least. Yeah, man. Right. I'm like, you know. I have a little tally sheet and it came up, I came up with 12. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like 12 practical <laughs> principles to, to overcome procrastination. It's interesting how you threw the number 12 in there. Yeah, that's right. But Are you yeah. talking about from the discipline of now? Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Just check it. That's right. But no, I'm yeah, excited about that opportunity and look forward to uh, yeah. the discussion. And, you know, so she, you know, she sent me over, you know, I guess some sample questions, you know, kind of now see what it's like to be right. on the other yeah, side, the other of, side of this. Yeah. Right, so. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so what we'll do, too, on the uh, Facebook page, we'll put out Kimberly McLemore's podcast access information yeah. so everybody can hear Ted Fells on the air. And, right. you know, hope, Britain, hopefully he doesn't forget us about us little people and that he's doing oh, his no. interview, you know. Oh. And. <laughs> no, I won't do you like you do me. <laughs> I'll make sure. Like, I... It's interesting, man. I feel social media, Britain. I don't know, man. You look out there, Eric is always somewhere speaking, <laughs> presenting. You know, I think I saw something about him getting a star on the Walk of Fame. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of stuff that he's doing. Got man. the handprints and that's the thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, cam- the camera panned on him at the uh, Nationals game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the first like, pitch of games. Sure. Throughout the first pitch of Game Seven, oh, sing the national anthem. Well, yeah. no, you didn't sing the national anthem. <laughs> not yet, in you know. I can't go that far. No, no, definitely not. But no, definitely. Like I said, we'll put the the links uh, on Facebook so everybody can check you out there. Yeah. So you know, I've got something that's on my mind. All right, all right. Would you care to to share? What's on your mind? Thank you. I was waiting. You know, <laughs> you know I, mean? I need to be feel welcomed when I, when I share this information. Please you know? share. Please share. So, here's what's on my mind. Today I want to talk to you from this topic. Teamwork makes the dream work. Man, you came up with that one by yourself. <laughs> now, it, it, it's 
Well worn. <laughs> okay. Oh okay, yeah, okay. It, it's been around. So that's pretty good. It, it sounds like a cliche, but it, it is, it's it really is, not. It is a cliche. It, <laughs> it said a lot, but no, you, you'll see where I'm going with this. Hopefully. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to introduce you to this NBA player. Okay. Yeah, you gotta stay with me. This is an NBA player, Britain. His name is Tristan Thompson. Mm. Tristan Thompson. Okay. So he averages. Nine points and eight rebounds per game for his career. Hall of Fame bound. Not so much. <laughs> Grand scheme of things, those numbers are average at best. Yeah. Most people that know the game would describe him as more of a role player. Okay. Right? Well, in 2015, he signed an $82 million contract. Unbelievable. $82 million? $82 million. Wow. But there's more. Okay. There's more. There's somebody else I need to introduce you to. Okay. We're talking about how teamwork makes the dream work. His name is Matthew Delavadova. Mm. That's right. I remember him, yeah. Matthew Delavadova. So he entered the league as an undrafted free agent. And he has a career average of, get this, five points <laughs> and two rebounds. All right. So we said that Tristan is average at best. Yeah. Matthew is below average. Right. If you just look at the numbers. Yeah. So before you start calling him a scrub. I don't call nobody in the NBA yeah. a scrub. Uh, consider this. 2016, he av- he signed a $38 million contract. $38 million. $38 million. So Tristan, he signed an $82 million contract. Matthew Delvadova signed a $38 million contract. NBA contracts guaranteed? Yes. Wow. Guaranteed. Wow. So the question is, what what do these two players have in common? A lot of money. A lot of money. Right. But here's what they have in common. They were on the same team with LeBron James. There you go. There you go. They were on the team with LeBron James the year the Cavaliers won the championship. So being connected to LeBron and being connected to the right team hmm. took their income potential to a whole other level. Wow. Teamwork made their dream work. Hmm. Would they have gotten those contracts if they were not tied to the team? Uh, with those numbers, probably not. But Definitely not. But I think they would have been able to do okay. Right. They, they wouldn't have been starving, <laughs> no. but they wouldn't have gotten $82 million. <laughs> no, no. Right. no. So, so here's the burning question for our listeners, our viewers. Again, you know how we do. You got to put pause, press pause on the treadmill. You know your, your moped as you're dri- you're riding along, listening to us. Pull over to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Here is the question: Who do you need to have on your team mm. to make your dream work? I mean, we're saying teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Who should be on your team? And here's the thing. Here, here's something I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Understanding this next thing. Like, just because something has to be done doesn't mean that you have to do it. That's tough. It's a struggle. That's tough. You know, you got a business, there are things that need to be done. Yeah. But you don't have to do it. That's tough. You know, if you want to make your dream work, you need to have people in your team that can do that thing. That you can trust and right. have confidence that they'll, they'll get the job done. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great in theory, but it's it's a challenge. I mean, so for example, I mean, 
something as simple as the right virtual assistant. You know, somebody does flyers, somebody that can take phone calls, somebody that can schedule appointments. Could be life changing. Oh yeah. Could take things to the next level. Could be the right accountability partner that you add to the team. Somebody that's gonna hold you accountable. Somebody's gonna get ask you for updates on those things you said you were gonna do. Bring the right energy to the team. Right. Bring the right energy to the team. How about this? The right co-authors. Hmm. You know, a lot of people, they have this dream they want to write a book. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to write it by yourself. Hmm. Right? We, we've had guests on the podcast that are co-authors. Matter of fact, we've got guests that we're about to introduce. <laughs> that are co-authors. That are co-authors. It's a team. Right? They are proven. The guests that we're about to introduce, it's five of them, number one. Right. It's like a basketball team. Five. We're talking about Kobe. We're yeah. talking about basketball. All right. We got five. They're living proof, our guest today, that teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. That sounds like it. Yeah. I'm excited about hearing their story. That's right. So why don't we get to it? All right. We're going to go ahead and introduce our guests. So, again, this is, this is a first. This is episode 43. The 30-minute hour? Yeah. This is the first time we've ever interviewed five people at the same time. Wow. Yeah. This could get really interesting. <laughs> this could get really interesting. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get to it here. All right. All right. So our first guest that we're going to introduce, he's a native of Sumter, Sumter South Carolina, uh, he's worked in the health and human services field for more than 15 years. He's a life coach. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a certified family-centered trauma coach. And, okay, I'll go ahead and say this last part. He's a proud member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> ah, yes, yo, yo. <laughs> Please join me and welcome into the 30-minute hour. To be my frat brother. Jason T. Mahoney. Yeah. All right. Welcome, well, sir. What's going on, everybody? All right. Hello. Okay. Just think we got four people to introduce. All right. All right. All right. So our next guest, he's a native of Loris, South Carolina. He's an optometrist, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, independent Avon sales representative and team leader. And get this, Ted. He's a proud member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. I knew it. <laughs> it's, always, it's always one. It's always one. It's always one. Please join me in welcoming my fraternity brother, Dr. Timothy Brown. Greetings, brothers. Greetings. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast with you all. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. You. Thank Ed. you so much for coming. Great to have you. Our next guest. Yeah. He's a native New Yorker by way of Brooklyn. And he actually goes by a pen name at times. Joseph Wrights is the pen name he goes by. Mm. But when we had to ask him about the whole pen name, that's pretty intriguing. Yeah. So he served in the Army for eight years and then joined the Department of Homeland Security for three years before moving to Baltimore, Maryland. He's an aspiring chef, 
writer, poet, and also performs life coaching and mentoring work to those who ask for it. Mm. Please join me in welcoming Melvin Wachter to the 30-Minute Hour. Love that. Thank you for introducing me. I appreciate it, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Welcome, Melvin. It's great to have you. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Next, our next guest. He is a native of Mebane, North Carolina. He's worked as a dietary aide, sound engineer for various churches, and a community volunteer. He enjoys mentoring, volunteering, and inspiring others. He often uses his personal testimony to help others realize God's power in their life. Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour, Darius Warren. Thank you all. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, you know the way that you announced it. It sounds like you really like announcing a starting five. Right. It's, it's a basketball <laughs> thing. You got five. <laughs> yeah. They're coming out the tunnel and all that's that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So our, our next guest, he's an author, speaker, and urban soul contemporary gospel artist mm. whose roots in gospel music began at an early age. He is a native of Spartanburg, South Carolina. South Carolina is well represented. He is the founder and CEO of Accelerating Men, Inc., a nonprofit community, faith-based organization that mentors young men ages 10 through 18. His book, Still Living, A Victimized Man's Journey, has been listed number two on Amazon Kindle Download top 100 bestseller list under men's development growth. And yes, he's a proud member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Uh, Incorporated. Yo, yo. Yeah. (laughs) Please join me in welcoming Marcel Anderson. Greetings, greetings, brothers. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm excited about being a part. All All right. right. Welcome, brother. And I think we've introduced everybody. Man, that's a lot. Of, those folks are doing a lot of big things. Man. Yeah, for sure. It's, a, it's impressive. So it's an honor and a privilege to have you all on, and we'll jump into your book and how it came together. But did want to take this time before we got rolling and see if it, any of you had a, a Kobe moment you wanted to share, or something that you remember about him that you'd want to share with our audience. Uh, well, my favorite coming moment was that it's an all-star game, East versus West, and he was going back and forth against uh, Allen Iverson and Stephon Marbury. It was just like a shooting competition. They were just shooting the lights out of the building, man. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I think I was in probably the 11th grade when that when that happened. So I went. I had a basketball game that next week. Man, you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm not just showing up. Trying to, trying, trying to be Kobe Bryant, man. So yeah, that's 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 definitely one that sticks out in my mind a lot. He was just a, a great a great guy all around, on court and off. Yeah, so he'll be missed. Absolutely. All right. So before before we jump in, we'll we'll take one more. Anybody anybody wants to share uh, one more Kobe moment, and then we'll get going here. Yes, I know we uh, we are sad about uh, losing Kobe Bryant. He was a legend on the court. Uh, he was a great uh, father and also a great uh, team player there. So 
I think about all the moments and the games that I watch him and Shaquille O'Neal play together mm. um, and dominate the, the conference and, and dominate the basketball court there. And um, I don't know what year it was, but it was like when they were going to win their first championship there and they were down uh, by several points, I think in the double digits there, but they were able to turn that thing around uh, working together as a team and Kobe threw that shot to Shaquille and it was really hot. He even said himself that he thought he threw the ball too high, but Shaquille somehow another man, he grew some arm, his arms grew and he pulled that ball down and got that shot in there and they ended up winning uh, the championship there. But uh, I enjoy watching him uh, play and uh, as a team, he did very well and those are just shots where he would just spin around, get, get on that three point line and uh, throw that ball in there and make that shot. Uh, some great moments uh, watching him play there, and he's going to be truly missed by so many people. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. All right. So, so let's get at it. Uh, and and I'll, I'll direct kind of this, this initial question to James, and then others can chime in uh, as well. But I wanted, wanted to get a feel for how long have the five of you known each other, and how exactly did you come together for this book project? So uh, this is Jason, and I actually want to say it's, uh, it's actually 44 black men that actually uh, wrote this book, mm-hmm. and so uh, we, we could only get five on the uh, on, on, on this, this evening because, you know, we had all 44, <laughs> and we'll be here for about 44 hours. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I just want to, you know, acknowledge the other 39 brothers um, that are part of this book, and so I want to make sure and put that out there, that it's 44 black men and all, black men and all who I put together to make this project come together. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's amazing. So kind of talk us through, I mean, what, what was the process like as far as pulling everybody together? I mean, how did you, how did you do that? So interesting enough, um, December of 2018, um, 2018, the, lat- the latter part of December, um, I was making some decisions in my career and just, just seeking some things and was going through some challenges. And so I ended up going to my parents' house in South Carolina because I'm currently in Raleigh. And um, I went to my parents' storage unit and I found a letter that my pastor, my childhood pastor, wrote to me uh, more than about 20 years ago. And so the letter was never opened. And so I just happened to say, hey, I opened it this time. And so I opened it and it was very um, short but it really was just very life impacting. And so it was pretty much the words I had needed um, to make those decisions in my life at that moment. And so January, um, God kind of said, hey, you know, if a letter was that impactful to you, how great would it be for you to, um, for other brothers to be inspired by other black men um, that just, you know, write words from their hearts to really encourage and uplift other brothers. And so from there, you know, I reached out to some brothers in my network, reached out to some brothers, um, that I saw on social media that was doing some good things. And so I wanted 50 brothers, but I mean, ended up being 44. So some of the brothers that are in the book we've never met, um, some of the brothers I've known for well over 20, 30, um, 30 years. So it's really an array of some of the brothers. And so it was really all a thing, you know, by God to say, hey, you know, these are the people you need to reach out to. Hmm. Wow. wow. And it all started by that letter, and you were inspired, and you were and you were led to say, hey, you know what, what about inspiring others? Exactly. Wow. Hmm. That's awesome. That is awesome. So we have followers that are, and listeners, and you know, they're considering collaborating on a book project. Based on your experience, I mean, what advice would you have for them? 
I would tell them to make sure and seek out the right people um, and, and really be keen in on having a strong publisher or someone that can walk you through the process because when you're bringing um, individuals together, you have different personalities, you have um, different mindsets, and so I would tell them to really make sure and seek out the right people. Um, I always say, you know, seek God's, God's wisdom, and he'll direct you to um, who you need to be connected with. Make sure to have a strong publisher, and i got to put a, put a pin out there for Rain Publishing Company, mm-hmm. um, Rachel Renee, super, um, and have a great publishing company. Really reach out to the right people who are supposed to be a part of the project, because if you have one bad apple in that project, it will it will be detrimental to the whole project. So definitely make sure you have the right people and the right publisher um, that's going to be backing you. Awesome. The right people and the right publisher. Hopefully you were listening to that uh, on your moped and on the treadmill. <laughs> you better have the right people and the right publisher. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so the book is 176 pages. How, how did you divide it up? I mean, what, what was what was it like? You, you had 44 people. I mean, how did you decide who did what? Did people just write on their experiences and get back to I mean, how did, how did you coordinate all that? So I'm actually throw that question to um, someone, on, someone else on the call. Mm-hmm. But what initially happened, I sent a long email with uh, three or four questions and just out the blue. And so I'm going to let someone jump in on the call um, just kind of share their experience when they got the email from me uh, with the questions um, about this experience. Yeah, so this is this is Joseph Wright. I know, like, um, when Jason approached me about writing the book, I, I was kind of limited in what I wanted to do, and he was like, just write, you know, and once it comes to you, we'll worry about length later. Um, and uh, it just so happened it ended at around five or six pages. He didn't tell me a limit or anything. And I actually think that was a good move because it didn't limit my creativity by, by capping it off or telling me I can't do more than, you know, a certain amount of pages. So I appreciate him for that. Huh. Interesting. Okay. All right. And so, like, how long did the process take when you start from, hey, I've got this idea, I'm going to get the 44 people together, <laughs> to now I have a book in my hand? Like, right. Was it like one big conference call? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 actually, um, and, and, and it was a fun experience. Um, I reached out to a, a multitude of people in January, and so every January uh, 2019 started everything off, the reaching out, the calls, the emails, the telephones. And we would do a conference call at least once a month. And so the conference call would be facilitated by myself and the publisher, and we would just pretty much um, talk about where, the, where we are in the process with the book. We even talked about the business aspect to say, okay, if you want to um, make a profit off the book, this is how you do it. So what we did, we did, I, I would even say we did classroom sessions um, through our, through our conference calls about the process. And then also during that process, some of the brothers that are interested in publishing their own book were able to learn the process as well. So it was monthly conference calls. Um, some of the brothers that were local, we um, met face-to-face to talk about things. But it was monthly conference call was really the thing that was really um, beneficial to this whole process and, and communication and consistency. Um, lots of emails came out. And then it was real, and the process was transparent. And I think that's the key as well, um, because what we did when we got everybody's letters in, we sent the um, 
letter back to the person for them to really look at it to see if that was their story. We allowed the brothers to get to know um, know one another because they're from um, 50 different states, well, different states throughout the United States. Mm. So we created a Facebook page was just for the authors group, mm. and that Facebook page allowed the authors to share a little bit about themselves. There are a lot of authors that have their own business, and so we allowed that as a platform to promote one another, um, to support one another um, in those endeavors. Right. So, guys, if, if one of you guys want to chime in just about that whole process of the, the phone conferences, the emails, and, and the Facebook group, where it was just pretty much um, the office group. I would say, um, this is Timothy Brown, um, that Jason is the visionary of this entire book there, and, and I thank God for Jason there. You know, Jason and I met back in 2000 when we were college uh, sweet mates at Lander University in Greenwood, South Carolina, and uh, little did I know that our paths will uh, would cross again and allow us to be able to take on this project uh, together. You know, Jason and I had individual calls uh, that we would have where we were sharing pointers with each other uh, about this project in the book and uh, seeing it through. And uh, I'm very, very thankful that he was able to pull together uh, the number of men that he did. You know, his goal was to pull 50. You know, and he ended up getting 44 black brothers. And I, I told Jason that I think 44 was a great number because with all of us being black men, it's the same number that represents our first African-American president of the United States. So uh, it was a very significant number. And uh, what really, uh, the conference calls were great. And uh, we got a lot of feedback from the brothers. That was the opportunity to be able to chime in, to share their thoughts, their ideas about uh, how we were going to launch the book, um, different things that we we're going to do on the Facebook group that we have uh, for the public. But it really was great to have some of the brothers come together recently, uh, back in December, December the 14th of 2019, uh, in Nightdale, North Carolina, when we had our um, event to launch the book there in North Carolina, and the community showed up. Uh, we met the publisher face-to-face, -face, hearing voices on the phone, having a conference call is good, but when you lay eyes on the other brothers who contribute to putting a book together that's going to impact lives and change lives for the better, young and old, not just men, it's good for African-American men, but this book has also uh, we've gotten feedback that it's impacted the lives of women as well, mm. um, people of other races, you know. So it's, it's, an, it's a very powerful book, uh, Brother Sharon, words that's going to uh, let other people know that, you know, we go through challenges, but those challenges do not have to get you down to the point where you feel like you can't get back up mm. and you can't yeah. move forward. Uh, we need to always keep our minds sharp. Uh, and in the right place that we can continue to move forward. So when Jason asked for me to uh, share some words that will help encourage brothers and uh, lift them, that was what I was thinking about there is what words can I share that brothers not only today but years down the road they can read and it will help inspire them and, and, and keep them lifted versus giving up. So I took the liberty to focus on positivity because I believe that with positivity, a positive mind, you can uh, accomplish a lot of things there. Even when you're starting your day, start it in a positive way with positive thoughts flowing, listening to motivational speakers. So that's 
that's kind of how my part in the book uh, got focused on there so that I can continue to encourage others to start each day with a positive mindset and try to push all of the negative thoughts and negative people to the side so that you can be in control uh, of your day there. So. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I think what you guys are doing is so valuable because, I mean, there are a lot of brothers out there that aren't getting that positive feedback, yeah. and they don't have the tools. And, you know, as men, I think we get into this thing of, oh, I got this, I'm good. Yeah. I got this, I'm good. And we don't reach out. Right. So, I mean, I, I, th- I mean, I commend you for putting this together. I think it's definitely something that's, that's sorely needed. Uh, Britton, I know you wanted to chime in with the question. Yeah, uh, first again, um, I'm really excited about, you know, this project and, and what you all were able to accomplish. Um, another good friend of mine and fraternity brother, uh, Brandon Douglas, who's a contributing author um, in, in, in this project, uh, he went live in December during uh, the the book launch and, every, and the get-together. And when I say... I, I watched it, you know, just to make sure I commented and, and let Brandon know I was supporting him. And then I found myself watching it and being engulfed more and more by everyone's different stories. And, I mean, Ted, they were they were showcasing their talent. Folks were singing. It was some singing going on. <laughs> it was people speaking. It was, it was, it was very, it was very insightful watching all these uh, uh, men come together their stories, tell their stories. And I think the most unique thing about it was these are people from all different walks of life. Mm. Seasoned professionals who have done so many things in their career, younger guys who are just starting in their careers, reaching these different different groups. And I wanted to reach uh, to talk to, the, to um, Darius, I know, who is very involved in the community, in working with mentoring and all the mentor groups that you work with, how have you seen this book impact those individuals from a community and a grassroots level? Just from the people that I have reached out to that were not what most people would be around, Mm. as in like gang members, Mm. people in the street, people just doing stuff that they're not supposed to be doing. So with me taking my money, my own personal money, because I, I was reaching out to these people before we could get copies of the book. I was buying them online for myself to give to people that I knew that I would think that would need it. Mm. The feedback that I received from people out committing murders, shootings, has changed their lives mm. all the way around completely. There's no no more joining churches, mm. giving their life to God, mm. just off the 44 letters that they read in one single book. Mm. So with one book being this powerful to make somebody switch their life all the way around from gang banging to worshiping God every day, mm. it's an amazing thing to see in person. It's, it's another thing just to hear about it. But when you see it, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different story. And to the ones that don't have a father figure or another man to look at, to, to you know, t- 
to lead, live their life through, I guess, to, you know, as like a role model. Yeah. These men just in these passages with just their words are giving them that, mm. you know, and it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong thing, man. It's a powerful thing. So I keep in touch with, so I tell them they can call me anytime they want to talk, anything, just, you know, to let them know that somebody is there for them, man, because I didn't have, I didn't have this book when I was growing up. I didn't have a, a father that was present in my life, man. So if I would have had this when I was their age, a lot of stuff that I had got into, a lot of stuff that I did, I probably wouldn't have done. Hmm. Hmm. So it, it's, 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 it's a very powerful piece of work, man. It really is. Because now there's other books, and I'm asking this question for our listeners because I really want them to go out and get the book and really understand what makes this book different. So the book is uh, Letters to Our Brothers. Now there's other books out about, you know, improving the black plight and addressing the black male. Can I mean, maybe we'll go to Dr. Timothy Brown on this. Can you summarize what you feel makes this book different from other books with a similar theme? The fact that we have a book uh, that is written by brothers from different backgrounds who are coming with different experiences, sharing it all in one place there. Uh, you got someone who's a judge. You got doctors. Uh, who have come together to help write this book. You've got ministers uh, also in this book. You've got professional uh, men helping to write this book, giving a perspective to other black men saying that, hey, we are here, but we didn't always uh, have this, this pathway or this life that we have uh, that the world can see now. You know, we've had some points where we went through some struggles and we've had some points where uh, we had to turn and ask for help. You know, we want this book shows that it's okay to ask for help. Mm. A lot of times that as men, we want to just be tough and we want to figure things out. Yeah. But while we're trying to figure it out, you know, uh, we're wasting time. We're losing time. We're, we're losing time that we can't get back. So this book is going to get into the hands of men to say, hey, it's time to stop wasting time, and it's time for you to realize that you can do better and you can be better, and you don't have to give up on life just because you made this mistake or maybe uh, you have this family background that you don't see uh, where they're the successful or someone's doing something big or they're successful uh, in life. You can be the person to change the generations after you, and I think that's what this book will give someone that maybe other books are not going to be able to give them because of the, the diversity, the different uh, backgrounds that we have coming together as 44 black men sharing words of wisdom and encouragement to other black men. I'd like to chime in on that as well, uh, Marcel. And I'd like to chime in on that. I believe that and I witnessed that this book uh, serve as a positive uh, outlet uh, if you look at an outlet, you know that it serves a purpose in um, giving us energy or giving energy to something that, that helps them to keep going or turn on the light. Uh, I only say that because I, I speak and I travel to young men in particular. I run a mentoring program in, in one particular moment where I was speaking at a school, and I just had the book laid out. Uh, I didn't even talk about the book. I just laid out the books before I even started speaking, 
and one of the brothers, uh, young men, came up to me. He said, I need this book. Mm. Uh, he said, one, because I don't have a brother. Mm. And just by looking at it, he said, Letters to Our Brothers, he felt like he could connect to something or someone in that book. And then just because of, uh, you know, the, the book um, showcases uh, positivity, I believe, again, once they connect with it internally, um, they will begin to, to find who they are. I think it's a, it's a, uh, it serves as a, uh, a driving force to, to help young men develop their identity and, and learning who they are and who they're not. One, because I've experienced that with my, my young men and, and using um, some of the uh, letters to share with our young men in particular. So I think it's a preventative uh, uh, piece, a preventative measure to uh, prevent our young men, uh, as uh, another gentleman said, uh, in terms of uh, some of the guys who are, you know, who, who've done um, drugs or incarcerated, you know, they've changed their lives. So I think it'll help them and prevent them uh, from even moving into that space, that they will uh, operate uh, in the right direction um, continuously just because of this book and what it says and what it stands for. So I think, again, for me, from my experience and what I've encountered, it served as a positive outlet for, for any brothers. And, and by, um, um, by experience, this brother was white. He was not black. Mm-hmm. And, and this is Jason. If I can chime in on that question as well, um, one thing that is significant about this book is that it is a living, breathing book. And so, what I mean by that is that if the book, and Marcel kind of shared it, that the book can be sitting on the table or it can be somewhere or on a shelf. And so, it, it really has that um, it, it inspired um, that, that power. That it, it, it's truly living, breathing. The, the stories, the, the letters in there, um, years later, they will always be relevant. And so it's it, just the inspiration about it. But what is key about it, what makes it also different, too, because there are other books out there that are, um, you know, empowerment books or what have you for African-American men. But there's not a book out there for African-American men where you have a black woman who is the um, owner of a publishing company who made it her business to make sure that this book was published because she had a she has a son and so she poured in herself to make sure the book was being published specifically to make sure that her son gets it so you have a book that is living and breathing that that no matter where it is it's going to always be a topic of conversation and meaning that it's living and breathing as well is with the 44 black men who are participants in the book they're carrying the book as a torch for where, wherever they are in, in their side of the world. So, for example, we have Marcel, who, who's an um, international gospel, gospel recording or R&B artist, artist. So when he's traveling, he's not just traveling as Marcel, but he's, he's traveling as, as that human being that is there to inspire other men. And so then you have a black woman who is um, make sure that the book um, published to the utmost um, because she knew that she was doing something for her son and for the other son, other black boys um, in America. And the thing is that what was unique about this book as well is we started in January. We were, we were, the book was completed in September. We released it in October, and within four days it was a bestseller. Mm-hmm. And so some people will, you know, stop, stop the cost there and say, you know, we, we reached it. But we're not stopping because this is the book is living, and our goal is to have it in the hands of every black man, and not and even black men who are not even born yet. So when mm-hmm. uh, a, a mother's pregnant with her son, and because we know it's a son, we're going to make sure, and our hope is that someone gives that this book as a as a baby shower gift mm-hmm. because it's a black boy that's coming into the world. 
So it's not something that we just gonna put on the shelf. It, it, it's a living, breathing book that, that that's gonna be carried for, for for legacy and for for generations to come. So it's, it's a piece of history. Hmm. Again, I mean, I, I really commend what you guys are doing. I mean, this is outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's one of the things I think about in, in, with a book like this is, you know, just the life experiences right. that are out there, right? And, and, and so much can be learned from just what others have have gone through. Like mm-hmm. if you got, you know, 44 different stories, right? Right, ups and downs, trials, tribulations, what have you, and then be able to uh, to just read that. Like I'm sure, you know, it's a book that you just can't put down. Right. You know, so it's just, I think it's a, it's something, it was a, a phenomenal project that, you know, it's probably, as you said, sounds like a, you know, a, a generational uh, book. Is, is there, are there, are there a, is there a letter or two that you tend to get the most positive feedback on? Is there a scenario that's brought up that people are always saying, oh man, you know, that really spoke to me? Uh, and that's hard to say because it's a couple of them. Uh-huh. You have, um, you know, one. Um, there was a, a gentleman at the book release, and he was sharing that he had, I believe, stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. And he um, talked about when he read the book, um, Roar Rashid, which is, um, he, he wrote a letter in the book, and it talked about, you know, um, let's move and keep moving. And so the, the, a brother that, that standing with stage four cancer talked about how that, that letter impact him, impacted him to say, you know, I can keep moving. Mm. Um, there's another brother that sent another letter that um, always comes up top. It, it, it's a loss of a love. Um, and Melvin is on the phone, and, and it talks about um, men, we don't, we don't deal with our emotions. Um, you know, when something happens, we don't, we don't want to cry. We don't want to let it go. But, but Melvin allowed himself to be vulnerable um, to tell his story of, mm. of love and loss. And so that, that story has often come up a lot as well to say, you know what, brothers, you know, we, we go through some things, and, and it's okay um, to show our emotions. And so and Darius is on the phone, and, and his letter is one that, you know, that is just impactful. Um, Darius was, you know, and Darius, if you want to talk a little bit about it, but Darius is the only brother in the book that has a P.S. Um, everyone else kind of ended their letter, and so Darius has a P.S. because um, the book was, completed and done and we were ready to get it shipped in uh, for the publishing but I got a phone call from his mother um, to talk about his PS in his letter and so um, when, when readers read the book they'll understand that PS means that your, your story isn't, isn't over yet there's something else that you have to live there's something else that you have to do and there's something else that you have to say Wow mm, That is awesome Okay, uh, you mentioned I want to kind of go back uh, you mentioned Melvin and his story that inspired people. Melvin, did you want to share um, with our audience your story and kind of what you put in the letter? Oh, uh, sure, I could do that. Um, um, I guess my story is more about like my late wife and how much I cared about her and how much I wanted to get, uh, talk to brothers about grief and then to um, cherish the love that they had, right? Um, so I guess it talks about the love I had for her. She was more like a muse to me. Um, she even inspired me to start my um, cooking career. and She inspired me to get my education and finish and get my degrees. And I had three great children. I almost lost them. Um, I fought for my marriage. So all of that's to say that this woman was so important in my life 
um, that if you lose someone like that, what do you do, you know? Mm. And um, pretty much what I talked about is like how brothers can uh, love again or at least remember the love that they had and, uh, you know, try to get through it in a reasonable way. Um, and that there's no time limit for grief and there's a support chain out there for them. They just have to talk to people and reach out. And, you know, as black men, we kind of have like a lot of pride, like uh, going to the doctor or, you know, seeking help or stuff like that. We don't normally talk to people. So it's really important that when you're going through something like loss, and it doesn't just have to be your wife, it could be a grandmother, grandfather, anybody. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really important to reach out, talk, um, you know, because I know, like, with my grandfather and even my great-grandfather, it was just weird to talk about emotion, mm-hmm. you know. So it was like you, you were thought of as weak, you know, or you just can't take care of your family, you know, stuff like that. So it's kind of a stigma in, in the black community, I think, to reach out and get help, um, therapy, um, another brother through a, a social center, trauma center, um, outreach help centers, stuff like that. So, I mean, my story kind of veered off into a lot of things because originally to me it was just about love and respect I have for my wife and I just wanted to tell her story um, to show people that that love is real but um, at its core it's just about telling brothers that hey it's okay to cry it's okay to share it's okay to um, break through that sadness and know that you're not alone there's other people out there who are feeling the same loss and maybe they just need someone like you to come and talk to them and say hey um, can you share some of that with me? You know, I don't know what to do because when I lost my wife, I didn't know what to do, literally. Um, I had my minister. He helped me do it. Um, I had family and friends. But when you go home after work and you got three little kids and they're at bed, they're in the bed and, you know, you're staring up at their ceiling of your bed and you're thinking, what do I do, you know, because you're alone pretty much at that point. So um, I just hope someone takes away um, some of the key things that I want to put in my story was how time is precious, um, how if you love someone, tell them you love them. And that's why the Kobe um, tragedy, you know, he's truly a legend. I'm truly sorry for him, his family, um, and all the others that loved him. But it kind of reminds you that if you have time, tell someone that you care about them. You know, don't wait till um, they're going to give them roses. You can go to the store and get them roses if you feel that way tomorrow. You know, there's no time limit or, um, or rather there isn't, um, a better time to do something if you feel it right now. Just share how you feel about them, get it out, um, talk with them. You got questions, you recap regret, regrets. Um, share those moments with them and let them know how you feel. You know. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We pre- I'm sure there's someone who's listening right now that was blessed by what you just said because they're dealing with they're in the, that going through that same process that that you've been going through. So please, I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Please continue to get that word out there. Um, Absolutely. Now we, we uh, mentioned Darius. You had the PS. Did, did you, Darius? Can you kind of highlight more of the details of your aspect of the letter? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, well, when Jason and for I've been having diabetes. I got diagnosed with juvenile diabetes when I was six years old. I um, had an issue one night, and my mom rushed me to the hospital, and uh, I had a blood sugar of almost a thousand, and I um, I was supposed to die that night. I went into a, a coma, but I pulled through through the grace of God. And um, since then, just dealing with diabetes my whole life, 
2016, I um, started have started having problems out of my left eye, and um, I told my mom something was going on, so she rushed me to the hospital, and um, they said that I had a retina detachment um, due to the diabetes, and um, so I had that surgery. So when all that was going on. Um, my blood pressure and stuff was going on really high, and they said that it pretty much caused a shock to my system. So um, I went to see a nephrologist and come to find out that the shock to my system from everything that was going on sent me into chronic kidney disease. So um, my kidneys were failing on me, and there was no way to, to reverse it. So um, I had to start dialysis. I ended up losing my vision, actually from the detachment and from blood leaking behind my right eye. So I lost my vision for about eight months. And um, it's kind of tough with uh, dealing, and I had to start dialysis while I couldn't see. So um, I was on dialysis for a minute, you know, since 2016. And last year, um, I was doing pretty good. I was on dialysis. It was February the 29th. Uh, Jason approached me to about the book and to get my um, my side of what I wanted to say, and he wrote that down, and we got all that information on the 29th. Uh, in less than a month, that March the 31st, I um, got a call. Well, my mom got the call when I was about to get off dialysis, and she ran into the building and told me that they had a perfect match for me, a kidney and a pancreas. So, April the 1st, I received my uh, pancreas and, and my kidney. So, oh, man. That, was a, that, was the, that was the PS part that I received because I had the letter had already been written. So, the PS was, you know, that I received my, my blessing from God to, you know, start my life all over again because I really thought my life was over. I was at the point where I didn't, I didn't, I was ready to give up, but it was just, my faith in God, the hope and the faith that I had, family, friends, and just everything that I had, my, with my trust in God that, that pulled me through, and it came through for me, man. So, you know, I just had to put that into words for somebody else because I know there's other people that need that. I saw the people with my own eyes. I was there. I was in the, the clinics with them, sitting beside them, talking to them, and they were telling me how they didn't know if they were going to make it, they they were ready to give up. So I go back every week to that clinic to talk to people and tell them that, that you can, like, you you will be okay. You, you can't give up. As long as you have your faith in God, anything is possible. So I bought 10 books myself to leave at that clinic for those people to read while they're in it to let them know that somebody else has been there and they made it through. So that's pretty much my part of the book. Wow. Mm. So he was like, that's pretty much my part, but that's a book in itself right there. Wow, man. Thank you for sharing that. Gee. No problem. Man. And I thought it was even powerful earlier we were saying, so when there's a PS, that means the story isn't over. Mm. I mean, that, that's profound just yeah, right yeah, there. Definitely. You know, man, that's, yeah, awesome. Uh, wow. So the book was just published in October of 2019. 
and you said it's already hit the bestseller. What are some other things that you guys are doing to get the word out and really get the message out about this book, this life-changing book? So I'm actually going to um, just chime in. I'm actually kind of lean that to some of the other brothers. Uh-huh. But I do want to say that one thing that we have done really is um, I'm just going to talk about the networking piece, and then I'm going to um, if, if someone else can kind of chime in. But So, for example, um, I received the photos the day that the book has um, is currently right now being used um, at the Rising World Academy in Vakanda, Ghana, uh, which is in West Africa. Mm. And so we, I connected with um, one of the um, founders of the school that's currently right now in North Carolina. And so when I connected with her about two years ago, she wanted me to partner with her on something, but I didn't know what I, what she wanted me to do. And I was like, well, I don't have anything to partner with you on. And so about two years later, I'm like, now I understand why we were connected. And so when I told her what we were doing, she was like, oh, my God, she can use this in Africa. And so the book traveled um, back to the motherland, um, to West Africa and Ghana. And so it's, um, it's now being used in the Rising World Academy, mm-hmm. which is a new school in Africa. And so the, um, the book was presented to, um, a couple copies was presented to the, to the um, school. And so they actually um, are using the book now in, in some of their curriculums. Um, so it, it's traveling across the world. So definitely um, by word of mouth and just really connecting, being intentional, out to be intentional connection with the right people and allowing the book to just speak for itself. Um, similar to kind of like how we end up in this situation, being able to be on this podcast is really just allowing the work, the, the book to do the work. And so um, I've been doing intentional connecting with people um, that have the same purpose um, to really empower, encourage, and uplift one another. And so um, does anybody else want to kind of, um, and the good thing is because it's uh, 44 of us, so you have 44 different ways that this book is being marketed and connected based on each person's um, connectivity and their personality. So um, the four people on the phone, uh, five people on the phone, including myself, um, have different networking strategies. So if you guys want to share some of the things that you're doing to really get the book out there. And our networks, of course, uh, the exclusive. I think, uh, I'm sorry. I think everyone. You're, I, think, I think you're breaking. I think you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, how about now? Yeah, now, no. Yes. Uh, Hello. That that may, that may work. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Go ahead. We we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. I'll just um, piggyback off of Jason as he uh, mentioned that uh, 44 brothers and uh, of course uh, all of the networks are, are are pretty huge. I believe. And the simple fact that we all get the opportunity to network um, within our network uh, and expose this book um, to our families, uh, business partners, uh, strangers, uh, various peoples, it, it gives us the opportunity uh, to market within that space. And then in addition to that, we did in the beginning uh, create a, a campaign, Let Us to Our Brother campaign, which is, is going to forever be a campaign uh, where you can always uh you know, hashtag letters to our brothers. Uh, we market marketed uh, in various platforms. A lot of our brothers uh, have done, uh, of course, interviews uh, on radio, uh, podcasts, uh, TV. Uh, of course, on all various platforms. Church. Um, I mean, again, they have their own book book signings that they've created. So it's various ways um, that we've marketed this book, uh, and again, and continue to to market this book uh, to make sure that it's in the hands of every. Uh, every black 
uh, brown brother uh, in the country, uh, or white, green, purple, no, no matter what race they are, we want to make sure that we get it in the hands of uh, every brother uh, in, the, in the world. So again, uh, we're going to continue to expand and grow uh, in various ways of marketing the book. Uh, and again, just telling someone uh, that this book is available and is uh, ready for you. No, that's 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 great. You know, when you <clears throat> when you speak on, you know, just you know, this is a book for for all all brothers, right? You know, and and not really tied to just you know race and nationality. That just the stories that I've, that I've heard you all mention so far. I mean, there a lot of them. These stories sound like they're co- they're colorless stories, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about dealing with loss of grief and you talk about dealing with health challenges I mean that that kind of goes across the the spectrum and I think there's there's a, it sounds like it's something for just everyone in this book male or female black white you know Asian whatever it just sounds like there's just some just some life stuff in here you know and it sounds like you've just done a great job of just capturing some some real life Stuff, and I think it, and it sounds like it's really helping some people. So I applaud you all on that. Yes. Thank you, thank you, and and I want to just chime in as Timothy Brown. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, we do have a Facebook group, and we also have a Facebook page. Letters to our brothers. Uh, we're asking everyone to uh, connect with us on those pages because we like to post in there when we're going to possibly be near you in your city are having an event, you may see letters to our brothers at a church service where we're coming together to worship together. You may see us at a black history program. Uh, Some of those things are scheduled for February. And also you may see us as guests on a uh, panel discussion. Uh, So those are um, good connections with us, the Facebook group, the Facebook page. Uh, One of the things that I also do is share stories or, or testimonies from mothers who are requesting this book for their young sons, 24 years old, feeling like they're lost, uh, they're, they're confused, they, they don't have direction in life. Uh, they're requesting this book. As a matter of fact, two mothers last week uh, in different states uh, requested the book from me for their 24-year-old son. And uh, I don't just send the book, I sign the book, and I also write additional words in there based on what the uh, what their mother may have shared with me about the young man just to try to give some additional words of encouragement there. So that's one of the good things about going to the events. If we're there, we can sign your book. You know, I always tell people the goal should be to go and try to collect all 44 signatures if you can uh, as we're traveling around or you may meet us somewhere there or if you're at the place and it's 22 of us there, uh, similar to how it was in North Carolina, try to collect all of the signatures there. Uh, that book becomes uh, valuable there when you have the signatures there and is the additional words of encouragement that brothers may share uh, as they're signing the book as well there too. So social media uh, is, a, is a great platform for sharing about the book. Uh, some of the brothers have also been in the news uh, about the book as well. And I also like to take photos with my supporters when they buy the book from me uh, as way of sharing it on my Instagram page, my Facebook page there, um, on Twitter and uh, Pinterest uh, as well too. So uh, try to take advantage of all of those opportunities and just 
making sure that no one will miss out on having the opportunity to uh, get this book and help change the life of uh, men, men, young men, older men. Uh, recently, one of my uh, school teachers, who was my course teacher in high school, contacted me and she wanted to purchase two books for two young men uh, in our local town uh, that I graduated from there. And then she also wanted another book, a hardback, because she wanted to make sure that this book goes into the local library mm. so that people can, who may not purchase the book, they can at least check the book out and read and uh, find some words of encouragement as well. So uh, those are different ways to get the book out there. Uh, and there are so many other ways that brothers are using that I may not have mentioned as well there too. So uh, we just want to encourage everyone to tell someone because like Jason said, people shared uh, what stories impacted their lives at the event in North Carolina, but uh, there were people purchasing 12 books there to give as gifts because that was around Christmas time. So they were purchasing those books to give to someone uh, in hopes to change their lives there. Fantastic, fantastic. So can, can you share uh, with the people the best way they can get a copy of the book? Where do, what, what site do they need to go to to pick up a copy of this book? So they can actually go to Amazon.com, and they can uh, get the book off of Amazon, Let Us Start Brothers. Uh -huh. And so they can also go to uh, Barnes & Noble's online. They can also go to Walmart online as well, as well as Target online. So the book actually was actually in December, November, latter part of November, it was actually one of Walmart's um, pre-Black Friday doorbusters um, for the online store. So they can go to Walmart online, Target online, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of the online venues um, for books and so, but definitely Amazon. They can definitely pick it up from Amazon. They can do a Kindle, a paperback, or a hardback. Okay. But definitely, Letters to Our Brothers. This is the book that everyone needs. And I commend you guys on your, on your goal to have a book in everyone's hand. And hopefully we can, we can help you with that cause. Where people hear the 30-minute hour podcast or see us on YouTube, and they say, I got to get, get a copy of that book. Oh, yeah. All right. So we're about to go around the horn. And this is the part of the show where we leave the people with something, a closing thought that we want them to remember about this episode or about life in general. So we'll start with our guests. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with Jason. Uh, what final thought do you want to leave the people with? Just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself and, and move forward towards your goal and, and don't allow anything of your past to hinder you from moving forward and getting your goal. And just believe in yourself and, and move forward. All right. Believe in yourself and move forward. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Dr. Brown? Yes, uh, just straight out the book, I, I talk about positivity and commitment. And so I want to encourage those who are listening to uh, make a commitment to wake up each day and say something positive about yourself. Say something positive about your current situation. Say something positive about your family. Say something positive about your future. And don't give up on life. Always consistently keep positive words flowing through your mind, through your heart. And, and don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Take that leap of faith. 
uh, because you won't know if you don't go. So take that leap of faith and don't allow fear and doubt to hold you back from moving your life in a positive direction there. It starts with a strong belief, and I encourage you to always, like Jason said, believe in yourself. Great. All right. Melvin? Yes, sir. Do you want to uh, give us a closing thought for the people to remember? Um, I'm sorry, I'm moving around. I'm cooking dinner. Um, <laughs> well, what you cook? What you cooking, Melvin? Uh, I made some uh, Southbury steak, some uh, red mashed potatoes, and some uh, corn on the cob. All right, all right. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. So, um, but um, last moment. Uh, always regret that I didn't talk to my wife more about my fears. I know we were talking about fears and stuff. Um, it's really important to share that in relationships, you know, to kind of share and give that vulnerability. Um, when you do that, it creates trust, you know, and uh, I think if I did that more, we would have been better. Because there's a lot of regrets, you know, like I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there who wish they said something and did something. Um, just share more of the things in your life that aren't going right. Um, so I think they can offer like a better perspective, um, give you better advice and build your relationship, make it stronger. And when you have those kind of intimate, you know, um, secrets, I guess, <laughs> together with your spouse or significant other, it, it, it builds a relationship and makes it better. So um, I'm a proponent of love. I love love. I love seeing act, uh, love in action. Um, and I just, Hope that anything that I put in my book helps, you know, kind of bring people together um, and share more in their relationship. All right, thank you for sharing that. And uh, Darius, uh, pretty much just keep keep your faith, never lose hope. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what that's what got me through. And your faith in God can get you through anything, man. Like a hundred percent of the shots you don't take are the ones you miss. Mm. So I just tell people just to go forward. Like, ne- don't let anything hold you back. You can't move forward in life if you're always looking back at your past, mm. worrying about what people think about your past because that's in your past. You can't drive a car looking back. So just keep your faith, your head to straight ahead, looking forward in life. Mm. Yeah, there's a reason that they make the front windshield Bigger than the rear rearview mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. All right. Thank you for that. And then uh, Marcel. Yes, um, I would just want to encourage uh, the listeners to uh, stay true to their identity um, after they've experienced a, a catastrophe or a challenge in their life. Eric Erickson, who's a psychoanalyst, said, "When you experience a challenge or a catastrophe." Uh, in your life, it is not the end of the day for your life. He said it can be a turning point for you, but he uh, says this, which I really want them to to, to understand, that is how you respond to your situations can either dictate or determine your final destination. So continue to develop your identity even after you experience something challenging. Uh, It's all in your response, how you respond to yourself and how you respond to others will determine where you end up. All right. Awesome. That's a tough act to follow. Man. Yeah. Britain still with us? 
Britton, you still with us? Yep. Go ahead, Ted. That's on you, Britton. Britton's trying to research something real profound. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Ted, go ahead and go. No. No, I had I had my piece. I just didn't want to follow that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, I saw you pass the buck after Marcel win. I said, ah, oh, look at it. Watch, watch them try to play me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, um, I, I definitely appreciate all that I've I've heard on today's show uh, because we we've had some amazing guests with some amazing stories. And the, the most interesting thing about this was this is only a fraction mm. of the material that's covered in the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, we can only imagine how powerful um, this book is. And uh, on, on, on another note that I want to leave, um, criminal justice reform is one of my primary uh, uh, passions and campaigns. And um, I had the opportunity to be a part of something great in my home state where we recently did a rally uh, this past Friday uh, supporting the uh, reforms to change our prison system in the state of Mississippi, but hopefully it expands beyond the, the, the state line. And we had many contributors. And in preparation for this, we were going around doing campaigns for uh, the movie Just Mercy. And we do panel discussions around the movie Just Mercy and screenings and, and whatnot. And true story, Kobe Bryant bought out a few theaters in the L.A. area to show the movie Just Mercy. Mm-hmm. And he did some screenings with um, uh, Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan, who are stars in the movie uh, uh, based on the Bryant Stevenson story. And... Um, that's one of the lasting memories that I'll have, not only of Kobe Bryant, but of this moment in history. And I, I really appreciate what you brothers are doing because you guys are doing what it takes for your part and making your mark in this moment in history. So, again, I thank you for joining us. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that, Britton. Ted? Kind of going back to... Uh... To Kobe, and that's right. I mean, this has just been this has been a phenomenal show, mm-hmm. right? But it just, you know, I was looking, you know, just been seeing all these Kobe Bryant quotes, and one that I that I saw earlier today was uh, Kobe said, "If you're if you're afraid to fail, then you're probably going to fail." Hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you just let that just kind of just soak in, right? right. You're afraid to fail. You probably, you know, you go in this. I'm, I'm gonna miss this shot. I'm probably gonna miss the shot. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna get this job. I'm not gonna, you know, this book is, you know, this book is not gonna happen. Right. This vision that I have is not going to work. How am I gonna get 44 guys, right, to just all buy into this vision, do what they need to do to get this project done? You know. There had to be no concern about failure in that. Right. Like it sounded like it was a very fast track, right? You're talking 2018 to 2019 and having a book and and just getting it out there and, and for it to have the success that it's happening happening right now. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're afraid to fail, then you're probably gonna 
probably going to fail. And that's another thing, just not just today's show, but just, you know, throughout the 40-plus episodes that we've had, we've had a bunch of people that just, just, just moved, just took a step forward, and, and just amazing things have happened, and, like, and just like this. I mean, who would think 44 people to write a book? Yeah, all the logistics involved. Yeah. So, so definitely, again, you know, I just, I, you know, I can commend you, uh, you gentlemen, on what you've, what you've accomplished and, you know, much success. And I'm definitely going to have to get out and get a copy of this book. And, you know, and I, and I don't know, amongst my friends, if they ever just pull together, like, 44 people to do anything and I'm, I'm not included, I'm just going to be like, I mean, you didn't think to give me a call. You didn't think, well, man, we... You know, we did 45, we was going to call you, but... <laughs> this, is, only, this is 44. This, this is 44, man. So the next one, man, we got you. We got you. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely appreciate you sharing that. So as I, as I go around the horn, the thing that stands out to me is this the idea that came up earlier that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, especially as men, yeah. if you're going through something, you think that it's only happening to you, mm. right? You know, it's I'm a, I'm the only one dealing with this dead issue. I'm the only one dealing with this issue, that issue, that issue. But it's okay. And it, and the thing that's great about this book is from the perspective of people who are dealing with that challenge, who have dealt with that challenge. So it's not like they're theorists. Right. You know, they're not telling you best case scenario stuff that they picked up in a book. Right. They lived it and got on the other side. Yeah. So I, I thought that was powerful. It is okay to ask for help and it's okay to reach out and by grabbing a copy of this book, Letters to Our Brothers, that's a step in, re- that's reaching out right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 44, 44 different guys. Wow. So yeah, just, just outstanding. Britain did all right today. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Britain, you know, Britain don't ever bring no guests today. He bought five guests. <laughs> he bought five. Right. You know, next time be careful, man. If he comes here live, he'll probably bring forty-four people, and we we'll all be jammed up in this in this uh, this room together. <laughs> look here, look here, man. Look, when I show up, I'm bringing baked goods. Oh, well, come when on. I'm uh, when I'm calling in, I'm calling in with with five out of forty-four. Of the most inspirational gentleman yeah. I know of my time. That's how you I mean, do it. look, man. That's how you do it. I, I look can't here. Do it. I can't I'm do not trying more. to fail. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want from me, people? Right. What else do you want? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. This is great. All right. Well, this is not your everyday podcast. No. I mean, what other podcasts can you listen to where you get five authors of a 44 author project? Right. I don't know where that. This is the first. This is the first. This is the first. That's right. This is episode 43. This is the first. This is groundbreaking and record setting. Episode 43. That's right. So have we waited one more week? It's been 44. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been something. Right? Yeah. And this is, Jake, this is Jason. Can I add something in, in regards to what you guys are saying? I'm sorry. Is that, um, that we're intentional with that. To, to demonstrate that we as black men, we can work together. It's no big I, no little you. So anytime a brother has something that they're doing on the book, we post in our group and all of us go to show up to support it. Mm. So I just want to say that we're strategic in that. All right. That's great. That's great. 
And so you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on iTunes, on YouTube. Man, this story, man, this is big. Like, I just want to hug you, man. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this has just been that kind of story, man. I'm feeling all warm, man. Well, you know, brotherly. Brotherly, yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's, it's inspirational. Yeah, man. This is something. You look a little nervous, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but no, really. I mean, this just the firsthand examples of hey, you know, I made it through, and yeah. the P.S. isn't the end of the oh, story. Man. Yeah, but if you don't remember anything else, Ooh. you got to remember that Ooh. P.S. is not the end of the story. You know, in church they say that's, that's the shout, that's the shout, that's the shouting part right there. Yeah, I just, tell you, I, I was just about to, I was just about to tell Marcel to get on the organ. That's the, that's the shouting <laughs> part. <laughs> Oh, man. Marcel, sing us out. Sing us out. Hit, hit some tunes. <laughs> my, my, there's far too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Let us to our brothers. <laughs> wow. Well, All right, my man. The Lord, yeah. the Lord, the Lord knew not to let me sing. I, I be singing those songs every week if I can sing like that. That brother just broke that thing down. Right? He, he knew better than me. Let me do that. Oh my goodness, man! We got to have you come back. In North Carolina, we had. We had Marcel singing at the at the, the event, at the house, at the uh, Christmas party. He was singing all the <laughs> even at the church. I was enslaved. I was I was enslaved to yellow to my brothers. I was enslaved. That was funny, man. That was great, man. That was good. So that, that was Marcel yeah. Anderson, the urban soul he contemporary gospel <laughs> artist. I think we got to sing it too. Britain, sing us out, Britain. What you got, Britain? <laughs> Give us something, Britain. Just say something. <laughs> Never mind. Brent will wait for the cake. We we'll are we are cake. losing subscribers. <laughs> and on that note, this has been an excellent episode of the 30 Minute Hour. And until next time, have a great one.